Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the You Should Run podcast. I'm Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, and we are counting down no longer the weeks or the months, but we're counting down the hours, really, until Election Day 2020. And if you've listened to this podcast, and I hope you have, and you go back and listen to other episodes, you know that I have featured a guest from every state plus Washington, D.C., and every state has important people running from Maine to Alaska to Hawaii to Florida. But one state in particular is getting more attention than it has in a long time, and that is Texas. Um, I recently profiled Elizabeth Beck, who's running for office in Texas for the State House. And today I'm excited to talk to another really cool uh, person from Texas. Uh, there's a lot of energy there. More people have voted now, almost two weeks before the election, than voted for the president in 2016. So the turnout is huge. Maybe we'll learn why. Maybe we won't. Let's find out. My guest today is Dr. Eliz Markowitz. Um, uh, Dr. Markowitz, is that the right way to pronounce or uh, to kick it off? I don't know how you want me to, but uh, thanks for talking today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you can just call me Eliz. No need to be all formal. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I, I know that Texas isn't necessarily one for formalities necessarily. Uh, um, but tell me a little bit about, you know, where are you in Texas? It is, as I'm sure everyone knows, a bit of a big state. Right. So uh, we could split up Texas into about 10 different states. Can <laughs> we? Because, well, no, let's not, because that would take a lot of Republican senators said, so let's not. There you go. You make a very valid point. Uh, but I am in the greater Houston area in a county called Fort Bend County, which has been called the most diverse county in America. And what does that mean? I When I was in college, I did a cl- class in Hawaii and about diversity and things. Um, and so what I think is diverse might be from, different from what, uh, someone else. So in what way is uh, your area diverse? Absolutely. Uh, great question. Uh, so we have a ton of different uh, ethnic and uh, language diversity going on in Fort Bend County. Uh, so there's about... 120 different languages spoken uh, from the different ethnic minority groups within the county itself. And candidates such as myself and Sri Preston Kulkarni, who's running for CD22, have been doing everything in our power to make sure that we have minority outreach programs so that every single individual is involved in this election process. That is really interesting, and it brings me to something um, I'm excited about when I hear about Texas. And when I see um, Democrats running everywhere, it really feels like a team effort this year, more so than any other year before. Is that the sense you get from your campaign and others, too? Absolutely. Um, I think we all know that this is, I mean, we hear it all the time, right, for every election. This is the most important election of our lives. But this really is the most important election of our lives. Uh, Our entire democracy is essentially at stake. And I think that egos have been put aside and individuals who would normally be running an individual race are more than willing to coordinate and work together to um, help one another out. And as they say, right, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so we hope that by coordinating our efforts and working as a team and showing that force of unity, that we will be able to turn out the Democrats, which, as you said, have been coming out in record numbers, um, and see Texas turn blue for the first time since LBJ. 
And so, first of all, um, I remember it wasn't that long ago, just a couple election cycles ago, that Democrats would be running in a place like Texas and say, yes, there's a D by my name, but it's, you know, think about me, not the party. And I'm not saying you're running saying just vote for the party, but it really feels like there's less of that. People are like, no, we want you, we're in this together. I'm not just running as Eliz. I'm running as Eliz with my friend Elizabeth and this person, this person. Yes, there's definitely a sense of unity. And I think there's also a sense that um, the Republican Party, quite frankly, isn't the Republican Party of George H.W. Bush or even George W. Bush. Uh, It's transformed into something that is... um, sustained by this hatred and vitriol that's being spewed by the highest levels of the administration. And we are embracing the fact that Democrats stand for honesty and integrity and diversity and inclusion and are really the complete polar opposite choice on the ballot to the the Republican ticket. And my understanding then is that they're are a lot of people in Texas from even conservative counties, and you have a lot of counties, who may be coming out to vote that like never thought was worth it before. Is that kind of the, do you feel like there's a lot of disaffected voters from the past who now feel like, well, now it's competitive, now now it matters what I do? I think, yeah, I think there are the disaffected voters that you mentioned, the ones who thought, okay, well, in deep red Texas, my vote will never count anyway. There's also the voters who were just apathetic to the voting process as a whole. And what we've seen is just this momentum built up around the desire to see change uh, in the way that not only is the nation run, but the, the way the state is run. And I think people, especially after the past nine months dealing with this pandemic, people are exhausted. Yeah, uh, We can't continue this constant back and forth about whether science is real and watch another quarter of a million Americans die because we have a petulant child in office who is unwilling to make decisions in the best interests of the public safety. Uh, And so I think everyone is just, it's a breaking point. And I think what we're going to see is that breaking point break in favor of Democrats. Yeah, I feel like people are polling Texas in a way that, like, on based on their previous notions of the state, I just saw today is Thursday, October 22nd, when I'm recording this. This is going up on a different day. But as of today, 900,000 votes have been cast in Harris County. And in 2016, a total of 1.3 million were cast in Harris County in the entire election, which, I mean, there's a good chance you're going to smash past... Um, election day 2016 before we even get to election day 16 there yeah i mean (laughs) that's quite frankly incredible we still have the rest of today we have tomorrow the weekend of early voting and another full week of early voting before we even hit election day so if these numbers continue it is as you said going to smash all previous records and for a state that uh, was ranked 49th, I believe, in voter apathy. I'm pretty sure that that number is going to change following the analysis of the 2020 election. Now, this is how <laughs> motivated people are in late October 2020. But what was it that motivated you 
to run? Because you didn't decide in October 2020. You decided in 2019 that you're running. Yes. Yeah, so I decided to run for this office in 2019 after I had run for the State Board of Education in 2018 in a highly gerrymandered Republican district. Um, and when I was going around South Texas for the State Board of Education race, Yes, education was a huge issue, but so was healthcare, so was climate change, so was criminal justice reform, so was gun sense legislation. And there was just so such a myriad of issues that were facing the Texan people um, that I wanted to give back to the community that had essentially helped raise me in my formative years. Um, and so I decided to file for this office in February of 2019, thinking it would be a marathon. Uh, but as many individuals might know, we were thrust into a special election uh, with the surprise resignation of Dr. John Zerwas from this seat. And so this will actually be our third attempt at this seat in the past year. Wow. That is, it must be hard to just wrap your mind and energy around that because you have to do it nonstop. Like, it, is it hard to keep up? Do we, not just with you, but with the people around you. Uh, so it's, it's, I mean, politics is a, is a fast paced game, right? Um, but it's been incredible to see the momentum that has, uh, been able to be built up in Fort Bend County, uh, especially around individuals who are interested in this race. We have an extremely diverse team of volunteers who have been working nonstop since the special election. And hopefully that's going to lead to a positive outcome in 12 days, I believe. Yeah. So you have mentioned those issues then. We're in now, that was before COVID hit. In what ways are the issues for you the same or are the motivations different because of all the things that have happened in this highly unique year? Yeah, so I think the the issues are actually still pretty much the same. There's just uh, a more emergent need to address them immediately. Um, mm -hmm. So what we've seen is that I mean, public education has always been one of my priorities. And what we've seen over the past nine months or so is that teachers went from being hailed as heroes and worthy of worship to being villainized for wanting to save their uh, lives and not want to put their uh, lives and the lives of their families in danger by returning to uh, a school building without having an administration that had developed proactively developed safe plans for or plans for a safe reopening um, and so I think that this has really shown the importance of the public education system I think we need to stop treating our public education system as simply a child incubation system so mm -hmm. that we can have our economy run um, because what we've seen is that we cannot have a fully functioning economy if we do not have a fully functioning public education system um, and so we need to make sure that we are investing in that public education system so that not only are students being prepared to be productive members of the global society in which we live, but also so that we have the ability to send our children and our teachers and our staff and our faculty to a place where they do not have to fear for their lives. And unfortunately, what we've seen is a complete lack of proactive planning. Um, and this also goes back to our healthcare system as well. Um, 
Texas has refused to take Medicaid expansion off the table, leaving over $10 billion in Medicaid funding, which can ensure over 1.2 million Texans within the first day if we were able to take this uh, off the table and expand throughout Texas. Um, and especially during a time when we're facing the greatest public health crisis we've seen in a century. It seems asinine not to provide health insurance to individuals in need. Um, and so we need to make sure that we are providing individuals with health care because health care is a human right. And it feels like 20 years ago and probably 10 years ago, if you said you were campaigning on those kind of things in Texas, people would say, well, you're going to get destroyed. You're going to lose by 30 points. Texas is basically a larger version of, I don't know, some other, ver- of Oklahoma. Now, don't take offense to that. I didn't say that. Just like um, and all of the Oklahomians are angry now. Right. I didn't know. I know you despise Oklahoma and everything it stands for. But, um, but like, but Texas is changing, right, with a lot of people moving in. So do, do you find that the views of Texans has evolved and maybe the state party, uh, the Republican Party, just hasn't caught up with that? Absolutely. So I think that the Republican Party has maintained their same standards that they have since they gained control in the late or early 1980s. Um, not much has changed. They're not overly welcoming to new individuals, and they're not taking into account that as you said, times are changing. And so as times change, and we do see migration from out-of-state individuals into the state of Texas, and we see uh, urban sprawl heading into the suburbs, there's a change in what people want and what people need from their local, state, and federal governments. And we're seeing that that's going to come to a head, I truly believe, in a couple weeks. So when you talk to voters, do you think that your opponent and other Republican members of the legislature and the governor, et cetera, do you think that they just can't believe that the state is not as like them, I guess? I don't want to say conservative or liberal or progressive or whatever, but do you think that they don't realize or refuse to believe that the state is moving in the direction that it is? I definitely think there's... Uh an unwillingness to accept the changing times. Um, I think it's really easy to get stuck in a rut and do what has worked over and over and over again. But as we know, eventually that will run out. Uh, You can't keep using the same formula and expect winning results when the world is changing around you. And so I haven't seen any adaptation from the Republican Party, whereas I have seen the Democratic Party, as you mentioned earlier, coalesce and work together as a unified group and also do everything in their power to reach out to all of the diverse groups within the state of Texas. And then within each county, we have individuals and local leaders who are willing to reach out to the different uh, minority groups within each county. And so we have this multi-layered approach that is just more welcoming, perhaps, than the good old boys club of the past. Yeah, and it has been a good old boys club with like people like Tom DeLay and others who seem to be grabbing power by the throat as much as they could. Yes. And then we see people like 
Dan Patrick, who essentially said that old people are willing to sacrifice their lives in order to save the economy. And we just see things like this that are just so out of touch with what everyday Texans and everyday Americans are facing, that it's it's just foolishness at its best. Yeah, and you know, that was, and that was an early comment by him. It was not something that he just said recently, like, oh, it's been months, blah, blah, blah. But um, how have your neighbors and your the people in your district reacted to that kind of rhetoric about this pandemic? Uh, so, I, I mean, Fort Bend County has a really strong Republican Party. It has a really strong Democratic Party. Uh, so you can imagine that the two <laughs> don't see eye to eye on many issues. And so I think it's very evident where uh, each party lies if you were just to simply talk to a member of the opposing party. Um, I would say that members of the Republican Party uh, have gone around and said, oh, this pandemic will end on November 4th. Uh, We don't need to wear masks. That's just what sheep will wear. Um, Whereas (laughs) Democrats who are focused on the science uh, are pointing to the fact that we've lost over a quarter of a million people almost, and that 7 million people have been infected by COVID and are suffering from the permanent ailments associated with that, and now have long-term health adverse health effects because of it. And so there's just this inability to accept reality, I would say, from one party, and the ability to embrace reality from the opposing party. Yeah, it does seem like that, it's so weird to me, it's like we're not really talking about policy differences. We're arguing about reality, and that's a hard thing to to argue with. Like, if you win, you're going to have to negotiate not like um, a tax rate of ten percent versus nine percent, or these people getting more health care. That you have to negotiate around just the real world. It's a strange thing, right? <laughs> you never thought that we would be debating whether death has actually occurred, whether we're actually in the middle of a pandemic, but the cognitive dissonance, I would say, amongst members of the, I I don't even think it's the Republican Party anymore, because it's definitely not the Republican Party of old, but the individuals who adhere to Trump's Republican Party are just so focused on this deep deep state conspiracy theory that they're unwilling to accept the world that we're currently living in. And the only thing that that's going to do is continually delay an effective reopening of our schools and our economy and get us back on track. Uh, so it's really just cutting off their nose to spite the face. And, and I was talking with uh, someone in South Carolina, and I think this might apply there too, and I've talked to other people too. It seems like there are... In many states, there are the regular business Republicans. You see this in Pennsylvania, where I live. You see it in Kansas. People who are conservative, but you know, still grounded in reality. And then they have their primary base and these new Republicans who tax rates not even that big of a deal to them. They just want to argue about weird conspiracies. And it seems like the dog, the tail is wagging the dog, and it's pulling people who would have been you know, good to serve with, even if you disagreed, that they can't even win a primary or maybe they have to give um, whistles or food to the crazy side because it's the only way they feel like they can survive. 
Yeah, I think it's fascinating to look at some of these quote-unquote career politicians and see how their views have changed, particularly over the past four years, uh, whereas they would have been focused on, you know, uh, fiscal sense and making sure that we had a balanced budget. Um, instead, we're focusing on, okay, what's, let's talk about Pizzagate, and let's talk about Joe Biden and his connections to pedophilia and all of these debunked conspiracy theories that have pulled the entire party down this this spiral of doom uh, that is not based in fact or reality, uh, but is based on this anonymous QAnon individual who seems to have been able to capture the hearts and minds of what would ordinarily have been sane Republicans. And I feel like there are a lot of people who almost refuse to admit that there is this issue of people being captured by the magnetism of crazy. And they like, and the longer we don't grapple with that, the worse it might become. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think it's an extreme statement to say that uh, it's becoming a cult. Um, and there's this cult worship that's going on not only with uh, individuals like QAnon, but also with Donald Trump himself. Um, in the past couple of weeks, there have been a number of Trump parades that have gone through Fort Bend County, um, where individuals are screaming things like white power and waving Confederate flags, and quite frankly, just being completely ignorant to the plight of average everyday Americans and especially our minority populations. Right. So one thing you are hoping to do majority wise is to win a majority. Um, something that four years ago would have seemed not likely in Texas. And now people across the country say, look at Texas, they can flip the state house or make it really close. If you and your colleagues, your other your friends who are running for state office if you can flip your state house, what do you think you would like to accomplish? What do you think is possible to accomplish? If we can flip the state house, then we can actually institute a number of policies that will benefit a large majority of Texans as opposed to the top 1% or just those uh, in power. Um, perhaps the most important thing, though, is that we face redistricting this session. And so the maps that are drawn in this next session we will have for the next 10 years. Now, Texas has already been um, accused by a federal court of systemic, systematic racial gerrymandering. And so I think what we could be able to do is establish an independent redistricting committee to remove all political biases from the map drawing process so that individuals are actually choosing their politicians instead of politicians choosing their voters. And I think that would be the single most important thing we could do to maintain the integrity of voting rights and representation for the next 10 years. And if you were able to balance the redistricting process, that would mean that those districts, both for the state house and for Congress, they wouldn't necessarily be more democratic or more republic. They would be more competitive throughout the state, making the, the state itself more competitive. Absolutely. Uh, so again, by using an independent redistricting committee, we're not favoring the Democrats, we're not favoring the Republicans, we're favoring the people. And that's the way that a democracy should work. And it's unfortunate for the past two districting sessions that 
the Republicans have redrawn the map so that they favor themselves. Um, and that's not the way that a representative democracy works. So hopefully we'll be able to change that once we win the state house in 12 days. Now, one term I've heard from people on election Twitter, as they call it, is the term dummy-mander, where, like, this usually Republicans, but they, they gerrymander the state after redistricting, thinking they're, and get greedy. And they gerrymander it in a way where, on paper, it looks like they're going to pick up so many seats, but then they miss the trends, and they've made themselves more competitive than they expected. Do you think that the Republicans in Texas have gotten greedy with how they've tried to take over power and now it's coming to kind of bite them in the head? I think there's definitely going to be a reckoning. Uh, And I think that uh, the results that we see on November 3rd are going to uh, not benefit (laughs) the traditional Republicans who would have benefited. Um, Again, I think that there's something happening in Texas unlike we've seen in the past Um, People are extraordinarily fired up. Um, Within the first three days of early voting, the number of people who had voted in Texas had already been 28% of the individuals who had voted in the 2016 election overall. Um, And so the fact that people are willing to wait in eight-hour lines in order to cast their vote to make sure that their voice is actually heard is something that we haven't seen in the past. And I think it just goes to show that people are aware that in this election in particular, their voice will make a difference. And it can come down to just a couple votes. Um, And I mean, this is the first time Texas has been in play for the 38 electoral votes, uh, again, since LBJ in 1976. Um, So I think people, again, are fired up and they want to see the change um, and have a leader who a leader in the at the top level in Joe Biden who has a moral and ethical compass because that's something that we're lacking. And, you know, speaking of you guys, all those candidates, the Democrats, are talking about we want Joe Biden to come, we want Kamala Harris to come, we want, um, we're, we're campaigning saying we're allied with him, you know, we're, we're on his side. That's not necessarily what Democrats did with, like, John Kerry, right? Or, or even Barack Obama in 2008. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think Texas was in play in those uh, mm-hmm. those years. Um, I think an interesting statistic just from our district in particular that may put that into a little bit of context is when Barack Obama ran in 2012 in HD 28, he lost by 30 points. Four years later, when Hillary Clinton ran in 28, she lost by 10 points. And in 2018, when Beto O'Rourke ran for um, senator, he only lost this district by a little under three points. Mm-hmm. So if we're to follow that trajectory, uh, the, the actual mindset of individuals and demographics have changed in such a way that we are just simply heading <laughs> towards a more democratic state and uh, it's kind of like a train going a thousand miles an hour. You can't stop that momentum. And so speaking of that momentum, it doesn't end on Election Day. And maybe on Election Day in Texas, you won't even have that many votes left because so many people are voting early. Um, but you got to start thinking about the next election and not necessarily yours. Um, if someone's listening and they're motivated this year, but it's too late for them, why would you 
encourage other people to run for office in 2021, 22, and 22 and beyond? This is just the tip of the iceberg. We have so much work to do, and we need good individuals, individuals who have a conscience and individuals who do have a moral and ethical compass to run for office. Um, it's unfortunate to say, but many politicians are simply in it for prestige and power and not for the greater good. And so if you are an individual listening and you truly want to help uh, improve your society and affect positive change, please consider running for office. There are a number of great resources out there. Uh, Run for Something is a great resource for first and second time candidates. There's also Emily's List if you're a first time or if you're a female candidate and you want to get some training um, on how to become a political candidate. And I would encourage that anybody who's interested and they're interested for the right reasons uh, become involved because it's going to be people like you who make the difference. And I am a huge fan of Run for Something. I've talked profiled many candidates on here who've gone through it, um, some of whom have won and are running again. And it's um, that's the kind of organization we need. Uh, now, Dr. Markowitz, uh, Eliz, um, if people want to learn more about you in these final days, they want to get involved in Texas, how do they follow you? How do they get involved? Yeah, that would be great. Uh, We always love having more support, and you can find out more about our campaign at www.eliz4tx.com, eliz4texas.com, and that's our Facebook and our Instagram. Our Twitter is at Eliz Markowitz, and if you have any questions for me, you can always reach out through any of those uh, social media platforms, and I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have. And any support that anybody wants to do, whether that be volunteering to phone bank or uh, a text bank or come out and block walk with us, uh, we'd love the support. Well, something is definitely happening in Texas. Um, we're going to find out in a couple of days. I'm going to put this podcast up, and then by the time people have listened to it, we'll know. We might know how you're doing, and hopefully, we'll get some good news. Um, if you're listening, please follow. Dr. Eliz Markowitz, uh, again, follow her, eliz4tx.com, like she said. Follow on Twitter and Instagram. I don't think you'll be disappointed in following her, even if, no matter what, because she's got a lot to offer. Uh, thank you, Eliz, and best of luck to you, and not just now, but for whatever comes in 2021. Thank you so much, Tony. I really appreciate it.